This episode is brought to you in partnership with Magic Madhouse. For all your needs of Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, World of Warcraft, Cardfight Bangwords, repacks, accessories, anything to do with your collectible or trade card games needs, please visit magicmadhouse.co.uk. Free UK delivery on orders over £20 and if you enter the code GMS10 on your first order, you will get a 10% discount. Mind you, not on special offers, but anything else, do enjoy that discount. Thank you for your support. Hello friends, welcome. Please, please do come in and welcome to the RPG room, a room that's been closed for so long that I've spent the last weekend dusting it off and rearranging the furniture because um, I've, I've completely and utterly neglected it and shame on me and me being Paco Garcia, your host. As you know, this podcast room It's uh, all about role-playing games and uh, we're going to discuss subjects and topics that are important to the role-playing game industry. I am not alone. Usually I have uh, my beloved Vicky Beaver, but today I have somebody else who um, hopefully is going to join us on a very permanent basis because, you know, he's kind of cool and nice and he knows his stuff and um, he's a great guy. Welcome, Mr. Jim Pinto. Welcome. So we're opening with lies. <laughs> opening with lies. Fantastic. Hey, what a great way to bring the room back. Hey, I'm a trustworthy guy. People, trust me. If I tell them you're nice, they will believe me. <laughs> But as soon as I say something, I make a liar out of you. So that's fine. I can live with. I can live with that because I, I <laughs> challenge you to prove me wrong. <laughs> so okay. I think. Um, I think oftentimes uh, people uh, misassociate being opinionated or having a strong point of view with all of a sudden he's a jerk and he's not a nice person. And True. so, I mean, I'm not a touchy feely guy, but I've never once considered myself um, mean, but I get, I get labeled that because I, I have such strong points of view. And you know what? That is really interesting because I have exactly the same problem. You know, I, I have many opinions on, on many subjects and I do not hesitate in giving them freely Because, you know, I, I believe in the miracle of sharing. And um, it's interesting that most gamers I know are exactly the same. We, we have strong personalities. We don't hesitate in, in sharing our opinions. And yet we hate it. We hate it with a passion when people voice an opinion that we disagree with. I, I think, and I, don't, I couldn't tell you what the actual number is, but let's say it's 95% for lack of an argument. I think 95% of people, just as soon as they hear an opinion that's contrarian to their own, they immediately assume that that means you think I'm a jerk for liking that thing. I've, I've said many times that I don't like the show Firefly. Right. It's not for me, right? The gaming industry loves it. Nerds love it. I personally think that it is not well constructed on many levels. And... By having that opinion, I'm automatically saying you're a bad person for liking Firefly. Mm. And I never once said you're a bad person for liking Firefly. People are bad people for a lot of reasons, and liking a bad television show is not one of them. <laughs> you See what I did there? See? Yeah, I do. Already, I do. You're very already subtle. ingratiating myself in advance. <laughs> 
Well, look, we, we, we can play, you know, the uh, good podcaster, bad podcaster sort of <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> oh, tell us where the diamonds are. Yes, and the bodies. <laughs> Listeners, we are going to be discussing stuff that are to do with gaming. Mr. Jim here, he is a very good, very well-known, should be, um, games designer, both board games and role-playing games. I mean, how, how many role-playing games have you designed? 3,300? Uh, yeah, it's quite a bit. I mean, if you count every single little derivative and everything else, it's it's quite a bit. So you know um, your stuff? Yeah, I, I guess so. Well, I guess you're not so going to get me to. You're not going to get me to brag on the show. I'm sorry. No, I'm not asking you to brag. I'm asking <laughs> you to, to admit to the fact that you know your stuff about RPGs. I, I think I do. I think I tend to have a, um, a scholarly approach to design and the questions of design. So I don't ever want to just create a game that has strength, intelligence, wisdom, etc., because that's how every other game has been broken down. I don't want to follow that path. I want to. I want to figure out what I want to do next. And so from that approach, yeah, I, I probably know my stuff. But Good. Um, my name has never appeared on anything like that, so I don't look successful. Well, I don't care what you look like. I care where you are. There. Okay. <laughs> and, and But you have also done, you have also done some uh, board games. I mean, I'm, I'm properly produced real board games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in fact, I've been talking a lot about the one that I don't like talking about, the one that I did for a previous company, and then they didn't treat me very well, and I don't get any royalties on it. And so, But lately, I've been talking about it because I keep running into people that play it, and so it's kind of exciting to see people enjoying that, um, enjoying a game in that, in that manner. And I've got a couple more board games coming this year, and I've, I've done a few, but the big one that I did, um, and people can go look it up. I'm not going to say the name. The the big one that I did is starting to gain traction really a year and a half, two years after it was actually released. So that's kind of strange. That is because of the series is probably the best game. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's I, the I, truth. It's the game, I, and I talked about this recently, it's the game I've always wanted to make. It's that board game that's kind of been in my head for a very long time. And the process of making it, and I'm going to do a workshop on it actually on the 25th here over at UW, UW, um, University of Washington. I'm going to be doing a workshop for Geek Week at their student hall talking about how the game got made and you know the decisions that went into the design. And yeah, without going into too much detail, basically I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm hoping to walk people through an actual game process of how you design a game and answer their questions so that they're not left lingering. It's a two-hour workshop, so... Good, that should be really interesting. I hope it's going to be recorded and broadcast. I, I hope not, because I don't like being on camera. So. Oh, who cares what you like? Oh, that's that's just fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, talking about role-playing games, you were saying earlier, before we went on air, or maybe we were on air, and I'm going to use that as outtakes. But <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I know, I'm evil. Um, I really am. <laughs> you were talking about fads and, and how people... Don't go to fads anymore. Talk, talk to me about it. Well, I, I this is my perspective. So I, somebody's going to call in or somebody's going to write in or somebody's going to say that I'm wrong. Um, and that and that's fine. But from my perspective, you go to something like Gen Con and you see the biggest stuff of the year. And 
back in the day, you would see something new every year, some so new thing like um, a collectible card game or the Euro movement started or Mage Clicks or uh, Hero Clicks or the World of Warcraft collectible card game. And they started to take up these big chunks of the industry with these giant fads that would be gone in a year or two. And what you're seeing more of, at least in my opinion, is you're not seeing the fads so much as people have now gone into their camps. They're happy in their camps. Maybe the young kids that are, you know, the, the, the next generation that are the children of gamers. But our generation of gamers is starting to get so old now. We don't have time or the energy to chase down all these fads. So everybody's sort of gotten into their little camps. The Euro movement, for you know, is a perfect example of a camp that they don't play anything else. They don't want to play anything else. It doesn't feel right when they sit down and play uh, a, a thematic board game, uh, what they refer to as a Ameritrash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so those camps exist and they don't want to break out of those camps. And th- even those camps are fracturing a little bit. We talked about the idea that there's people that don't want to play a game that has any kind of conflict at all, which yeah. almost turns it into a puzzle or what I call a progressive race game. So with the exception of, say, the cosplayers and the kids that are showing up and buying, you know, the all the plush toys from their favorite anime or whatever, I, I really don't even know what they're doing. And I, I sound like an old fart and I don't mean to. I just don't care at all about that fraction. So I I don't I don't educate myself on the terms. Um but I see them at the conventions. And I know that they're there. We d- our paths only cross because we're in the same building together. We otherwise have nothing to do with one another. And so that kind of fracturing actually creates, believe it or not, in my opinion, more more structure, more of a foundation because those people find their cozy spot. And now, oh, it's comfortable to come to Gen Con now in costume. I know I can go there every single year. So... 25% of the booth space is always going to be costuming and kilts and corsets and leather goods. And there's even a metalsmith that comes there now to Gen Con. That's pretty and, cool. Yeah. I, and I know that's not a template for the entire hobby, but it's a pretty good reflection. It's the mirror that we usually hold up to say the biggest convention of the year is, is uh, a microcosm of what the rest of the industry looks like. And so to look at that situation, to look at Gen Con and, and see that, it's growing solidly. It's not. It's not spiking anymore, right? Every year, it's just going up by the right percentage. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't want to see the leather goods there. I don't want to see the kilts there. That's not for me. I'm not going to tell people not to do it, but I understand how it's good for Gen Con. So mm-hmm. if it's good for Gen Con, it's good for the the hobby. It's good for everybody. And what that does, at least as we were talking earlier, is it creates more structure instead of less fads there's 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 less of that oh i'm going to buy the next collectible card game because it's huge or i'm going to buy i'm going to get into the euro movement or i'm going to get into cosplaying or i'm going to get into whatever i'm not going to get into this thing just because it's new and it's hip i'm going to get into this thing because it's what i really like right um now i'm not sure if i completely agree with you or not um because you know actually what i think is happening that i think the fads are still there very very much and very much alive but I think they are not happening in conventions. I think they're happening online. And that's why you maybe that's why you don't see them in conventions. I mean, if you look at the, the hobby industry as as short ago as five years, the only place that a company had to release something that would be exposed 
to a really large number of people at any one time, which is the most efficient way of launching a product, would be Gen Con, for example, or PAX right. or Spiel. Right, right. Now people don't need to do that. And crowdfunding is having a massive say on that. Yeah. I don't believe for a second, for a second, that Fate would have done so well if it had not been launched in Kickstarter at all. And you have sure, a fad sure. of thousands and thousands of people who have fallen for fate. Uh, whether the system is good or not, I haven't read it, so I'm not going to have an opinion on it. But the fad is there, and people are talking about fate. Games are coming out that are based on the fate system. And I wonder if fate had come out in Gen Con, say, five years ago, people like, I don't know, Sarah Newton, for example, would have launched uh, Mindjammer based on the fate system instead of creating her own. So I wonder if the fans have not really disappeared, if they have just shifted and moved online. Um, is So I don't know if that's a fad so much as a progressive stage. I th when I think of a fad, I think of something like... Um, uh, well, I think of Mage Clicks. I think Mage Clicks is a perfect example of a fad because it initially spiked so high when it first came out, but people didn't stick around for it. It's still, it might be still strong, but its sales will never be as good as it was that first year. So that's kind of faddish, mm, in my oh, opinion. Okay. But Fate, and I, and I see where you're coming from. Fate is absolutely successful because of online community. It's absolutely successful because Fred came out with the product at the exact right time. Or he's been had it out for a very long time, but he decided to relaunch it at the exact right time as the noise of the story movement is starting to impact all of role-playing, right? We're starting to see it a lot more. I just did a protocol for Pinnacle, hmm. right? A Deadlands protocol, which Shane came to me and, and we talked about it. How would we do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, of course, it needed more rules and need more meat to hang on for, for people that play those, that aren't used to that kind of gameplay. But the fact that he even approached me, he wouldn't have asked me 10 years ago. And I don't look at that as a fad. I look at that as progress, hopefully progress and that and it, what it does is it makes it makes role playing stronger um because it it has more things that it can put into its basket as opposed to and I'm going to say the dirty word here fourth edition hmm. which made sure that there was nothing in its basket except the things that made it feel like a video game yeah so um, and, okay so and so that's that in my opinion is much more faddish okay, if so, you will than so fade a fad for you is something that comes, has a massive success, and then people forget about it because they go on to something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I, and if I wasn't clear about that, I apologize. No, no, it's fine. I, I mean, I, I sometimes do miss that kind of uh, meanings as well. Well, you know, I still, I'm going to stick to my guns a little bit. I'm going to wonder as well if fads last a little bit longer than they used to. Um, say, for example, um, X-Wing. Fantastic game. Absolutely. Fantastic game, absolutely. Brilliant, amazing game, wonderful minis, um, really, really extremely popular. It's been going on for a couple of years now. Um, I don't really know how well the game is selling at the moment compared with how it did. I know that the new expansions, you know, the new spaceships do sell because the people who are already playing the game, the Star Wars fans, want them. But I don't know if they're bringing more, you know, that the market is growing steadily. I have no idea. 
So I wonder if the fads, they just last a little bit longer than they used to. You know, one year something is launched, people go away, they haven't heard about it for a while, they forget about it, something else is launched the following year in Gen Kong or Spiel, and uh, there you go, something something else. Um, so we forget about what we have already seen, whereas online, it's always there, it's always present. And because you focus on that, as you mentioned, uh, people become a bit more pigeonholed into what they like. They don't see anything else. That does that make sense? No, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe hmm. even if it is a fad and it's sticking around longer, that means more longevity, longer attention spans, right? I would hate to think that a product that I made a year and a half ago, nobody wants to even look at or touch be, simply because of the date, the expiration date on it. Yeah, does I. Uh, it does make sense, absolutely, yes. And I, I think you're right. You know, I think that's a very good thing for the industry. I, I believe the longer a product is going on, um, the, the more established it becomes within the um, social subconscious, so to speak, and it becomes part of it, you know, like it's happening with Settlers of Catan. You know, people are beginning yeah. to talk about Settlers of Catan just like people talk about Scrabble or Monopoly. It's given, it's a given. There is a game known, accepted, Enjoyable yeah, it, it, than people like. That product is certainly not a fad. That product has now become um, oh, there's a term that I'm I'm forgetting the term, but it's it's become this this it's become the staple yeah. of everybody's household. If you don't own a copy of Settlers of Catan, you probably don't own board games. Exactly, and I think a fad that sticks become. I mean, Catan is a fad that stuck. Right. And I reckon that that's what every single company wants to create. You know, Magic the Gathering is a fad that stuck. And every company it, wants to create a fad that will that will stick for forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I but it, we start getting into the conversation of the difference between a product and a game, right? At that point, yes. do you do, if you want to if you want to go the Vincent Baker route and make Dogs in the Vineyard, you just made a game, and it's very popular, and it's not a fad. It's certainly stuck around. But it's, it's a, a game, and he's only going to have his X number of sales per year for the rest of his life, and that's it. But it's never going to become a product mm. with a glossy cover that gets this dominant space on the shelf, right, and that people talk about, hey, let's have Dogs in the Vineyard weekend at the store and host a bunch of events for it. It's just not it's not it's not that kind of thing. It's not that kind of product. It's a game. And I think that that also ties into whether or not we're talking about a fad because games don't turn into fads, products turn into fads. Fair point indeed. So do you think that the fads are not happening now why exactly? That's that's the interesting phenomenon. I actually I don't know if I have an answer. I I I think some of it has to do with we're getting older. I think some of it has to do with people have found the niche that they want to be in and they're staying there. I think when people come to these events, uh, geek chic as a term, which I don't like, but mm. geek chic as a term describes the environment that we're all in. And so if you have people coming to this environment and they're really not socializing because they're in their own camps – I would never see somebody going through a convention wearing cat ears and think, oh, let me demo my protocol game to them. Let me demo Dice Crawl to them. I didn't, you know, I didn't conceive of this product for people that run around a convention wearing cat ears. So that becomes this fractured subculture that makes sure that there's not a lot of crossover and therefore the fads don't 
transfer unless the fads like, say, Magic the Gathering are so – it's not vanilla, but so far-reaching that anybody can get into it. Hmm. So you don't like cosplayers, basically? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> no. Well, come on, tell me about it. Why not? Um, Talk to me. I th- – I, I I don't hate it, but I, I think it's I think it's disingenuous to go to a game convention and then do something that's not gaming related. I I have the same problem with booth babes at game conventions, right? I find it's disingenuous. I don't want to see that at my game convention. I want to game. I want to play. Well, booth I want base, to get no sleep and I want to game five hundred hours in a row. That's what I go to a game convention for. Right. And, for, and for I think the, I'm allowed to have that point of view without sounding like a uh, like a narc. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that. But let's let's make very clear booth babes are not just disingenuous. They are distasteful. <laughs> sure, sure. And it, and that becomes a, a a cultural or moral stance. And I I certainly am not going to tell anybody they're wrong for that. But from my perspective, it, even if they weren't dressed in inappropriately I would still say, if you're not here to game, if you're just here to put that on display to get me to come to your booth, that's disingenuous. Hmm. Now, what about cosplayers who actually dress up as gaming characters? Are, are those more acceptable to you? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like just threat. Don't get me wrong. I've actually stopped and talked to people who dress up in costume and say Comic Con or whatever because they put on a really good costume or they dress really well. Or they come up with something extremely creative. I saw this girl and this guy who were uh, Tauntaun and um, the captain from from Tauntaun, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that is really clever. That was a great costume. She was Tauntaun, so her hair was all matted down with this thick shellac. And I stopped and talked to her, and I had a conversation because I thought it was a creative costume. But at the same time, if she had not been there, I don't know that my my experience at Gen Con would have been any different. Um, no, but do you think that, for example, for people who are not as familiar um, with with gaming, but they are familiar, for example, with comic books, and they decide, well, you know what, well, everybody is cosplaying in at Gen Con or, uh, you know, um, Gary Kong or whatever you're meant to go. I'm, I'm going to go there and I'm going to find out what it's all about and I'm going to dress up. And, hey, right. I might discover games because of this. But uh, think of it the opposite way, right? I hear about a convention um, that's going on somewhere. Oh, it sounds kind of nerdy. Let me bring all of my game stuff there and then come to find out that it's only for guys that like um, that like Ronma one half, right? All of a sudden, I've shown up inappropriately to their convention and I'm trying to foist my game wants onto them. I'm going to be the pariah. I'm going to be the outcast. So it has become socially acceptable. We have to reach that place where it's socially acceptable within the milieu for people to say, okay, I'm just going to go to this convention, dress up in costume, and I don't really care if they like it or not. But isn't that what happened? That's exactly what happens. People just started showing up in costume. And and some of it's great. There's a couple that show up in Ghostbuster costumes every year, and they have the best – proton packs or whatever they're called the the they're such high quality i just i realized that they spent all this money on this costume they probably have limited venues to go to in that costume so of course they're going to go to gen con that way 
So, so I, I, I realize I'm starting to sound like a, uh, I'm backpedaling, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know I realize that they don't have any other place to go, or they really want to do what it is they do, and I think that's great. I just, you know, I just want to hang out with gamers. I don't want to hang out with somebody in costume. But what if they're both? Then, then they're both, and that's fine. Because that, that's the thing. I mean, when I go, for example, I mean, the, the UK Games Expo, which, which is the, um, the, the biggest one here in the UK, it, it does attract a fair amount of um, cosplayers, even though the, the whole thing is about gaming. But um, it does attract an awful lot of people who dress up as, you know, superheroes and Doctor Who. I mean, how many doctors are there? The real doctor could be there and we would never know. Um, it's it's be, insane. Right. right. Um, I don't particularly have a problem with that because they're you know they're there in the space and it's it's a very friendly crowd. They just want to be admired, which is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's why people cosplay. They, they are saying, "Look at me! Uh, um, I I love this character. This character this is fantastic for whatever, and I am very good at impersonating it." And and that, that's absolutely fine. There's really nothing wrong with it. So although it's not gaming related, but what's wrong with them being there? I, they, I like I said, there's nothing wrong with them being there. I just for me again, it comes always comes back to the disingenuous remark, which is if you're not if you're going to a game convention and you're not there to game, then you have some ulterior motive that I don't really understand. And it'd be again, it's it's when PETA and this is a really extreme example, but PETA is a group that here in America and they protest everything. PETA shows up at everything and is always <laughs> protesting everything, right? They have an agenda every single time they go somewhere. And I get it. You want to inform people about animal rights. I, I respect your passion, but there's some times that people just want to be left alone. People just want to do their thing. And the gaming environment used to be a place where everybody around me was a gamer and I could just hang out with I could walk up to anybody and game with them. 1991, I went to my very first game convention, right? I wasn't afraid to talk to anybody there because I played every kind of game. I played miniatures, I played war games, I played role-playing games, I played board games. And so anybody there I could have a conversation with about the thing. And it felt like this safe environment for me to be a nerd in when I was going to college and not people weren't necessarily the kind of nerds that I was the ner kind of nerd that I am. And obviously things change. And things change and that's fine i'm not afraid of progress but i i'm now in an environment when i go to gen con or i go to my local convention and there's people that show up in costume and i have to wonder are you here to game or are you just here to walk around in that costume and get photos because when they're at comic-con just walking around getting photos they're plugging up the aisles and there's no way to walk past them when they're at gen con just walking around getting photos they're just plugging up the aisles and so it, it, I don't necessarily get I don't get anything out of it. I don't get any thrill out of it that I would have gotten twenty years ago when I first started going to conventions and oh my gosh, there's another game breaking out over there. Let me see if I can get in before they start you their know, first turn. I, I think secretly you're just jealous. I'm just jealous. I certainly don't have the physique for it. Exactly. I think you're just jealous. You have not been able to fit into the Slave Leia costume for a long, long time. Right. And that is what's wrong with it. That's why you don't uh, like it. We've talked, I think, a little bit off off radio or off uh, recording before about 
our paths, and I never celebrated Halloween as a little kid, so I'm not necessarily jealous of anybody that gets to be in costumes. It's something I never did, and it, so it's not it's not a part of the culture that I even need to embrace. Listen, listen, okay, about Halloween, seriously, please just trust me on this one. Dress up as a demon, and, <laughs> and seriously, dress up as a demon. Fill the entry to your home with smoke with a smoke machine. They're very cheap and you can get them really, really inexpensively. Big, massive makeup. If you dare, and this could get you into trouble, but I, it's, it's just wonderful. Have a strobe light. So when you open the door, you just scream like mad at the children with a demonic... <laughs> sort of voice like that. And I swear, you will fall in love with Halloween. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Seriously. So w did this somehow become an intervention? You're now curing me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love cosplay now because. Listen, I don't know if because you're I yell at children. I, I I, I, that's a weird way to get there, by the way. I don't know if you're gonna love cosplay or not, but when children run away from your doorstep crying, trust me. You will feel good and at peace with the world. <laughs> I I have no doubt about that. I love making kids cry. You know, nothing, I, nothing fills me with more glee. I I seriously have done that so many times. I've only had one experience that I felt really bad about. I was um I, going back. Okay, um, there was a time I helped a friend with a haunted house. So I just wore a gas mask. That's all I wore. Um, so that was sort of my costume. But I was the guy hiding behind the counter, the behind the corner scaring people as they came through and then there was even a chainsaw in the haunted house it was really big and scary and i remember lots of people fleeing out of there terrified and the last person of the day was this five-year-old kid and it actually does not i didn't feel good scaring a five-year-old kid that was no nervous. i did I, i really did the only time i didn't um and, and this I, I swear i really feel bad about it but it's hilarious um is when i opened the door and i did my <laughs> demonic thing And uh -huh. there was this guy, I think he must have been about 14, maybe 13 years old, in a wheelchair. Oh, no. And, and he couldn't jump oh. for obvious reasons. Oh, man. So <laughs> I, I, I offered him the, the bowl with sweets. And, and I said, take as many as you like. <laughs> and, and, and he said, no, no, please, don't, don't do that. I, I wouldn't be able to feel if I shut myself or not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which I thought wow. I, I said to the guy, "Okay, dude, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm normal and I am not dangerous." And I said, "No, that's that's fine, but you look very scary." Okay, don't worry. Okay, I'm I'm okay. So please do. <laughs> He was a and what a great story to end this on if we end right now. <laughs> Some guy in a wheelchair shitting his pants. What the heck happened to Paco's website? I don't. What know. are they talking about? <laughs> I thought this was the RPG room. Well, we have spoken RPGs, you know, and fads in, in gaming. and, and right. how, Now we're talking about poop. It's fine. Well, we're talking about poop. We, we, we're talking about this poor guy in a wheelchair who couldn't tell if, if he had shot himself or not, so he asked me not to scare him, which is fair enough. <laughs> okay, and I didn't scare him anymore. I was very good. I couldn't know that the guy was in a wheelchair, for goodness sake. It was impossible. So yeah, that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. All right. But then I made you're, a 17-year-old cry. That was really good. You are officially a bigger jerk than I am. Yeah, it, uh, it's, yeah. It's true right now. I, I just figured it out. I thought I, I thought you were nicer than me. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not. I, I kid you not. 
there is an evil, evil, very satisfying thing about dressing up in Halloween and, and scaring children witless. Love it. I absolutely love it. I wouldn't do it any other time of the year, kind of. But I, otherwise, I love it. It's great. That's funny. So there you go. And, and it's good practice for your um, Cthulhu games as well, um, I think. Hey, next time, let's talk about my Cthulhu LARP, huh? Because that, <laughs> that actually scared some people quite a bit when I ran that. Okay. Yes, they, let's let's do that. Listeners, um, thank you very much indeed for being there. Uh, Jim, lovely to have you around. Hey, yeah, this was fun. I don't know how much fun it was for the listeners, but it was fun for us. I think every listener will be absolutely looking forward to Halloween from now on. <laughs> Except you. Except me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Production for this podcast have been by Paco Garcia and the music's been composed by Kev Adzett. We would love to hear from you. Feedback and your questions are always welcome and you can email us at podcast.gmsmagazine.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at GMS Magazine. And we are also on Facebook and Google+. I'm very, very happy to talk to you. Remember to subscribe to the GMS Magazine podcast channels in iTunes and give us a review or two and a rating, please, and it's truly appreciated if you do. For more quality shows, remember to listen to other rooms like the RPG Room, the Interview Room and the Board Game Room, and more rooms that might be coming very soon indeed. But, friends, until the next time, let the games continue. <laughs>